0: Assalamualaikum, alaikum ladies and gentlemen brothers and sisters welcome back to another episode of remastered and we here we talking about college you know it's back to school season people getting ready i know school starts for some people in like i know here in the midwest is like what in two weeks i think for some schools right and in mm-hmm. high school and mm-hmm. stuff and the elementary kids have already started but we talking about the older people and the older the real issues the real topics um but we're joined by a wonderful guest we have sister dua hagag you know, I have to pronounce the two jeans instead of the, uh, instead of jazz uh, it's because you know Masri, right? <laughs> Sister Dua, assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the show.
1: Wa Thanks for having me.
0: Just to read quickly about Sister Dua, she is a LPC and is a community educator with the Family and Youth Institute, FYI. FYI. <laughs> she holds a master degree in uh, counseling with a dual certificate in school and community counseling. She currently works in a private practice as a child, adolescent, and family therapist at Sunlight, Silent Sunlight Counseling. Her interests include group, group play, and art therapy. So, but and she's also been a community organizer for more than 15 years. Her passion is working with parents, mentors, and schools to create safe, affirming spaces for youth to discover, establish their identity. She actively mentors youth and families through Muslim American society. So this is just a quick introduction. You know, I feel great always talking to the guests because you guys have like like credentials and things like you guys have done, right? And I feel like, man, I got to like get my resume up,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> get some stuff. But Sis Duwal, uh, real quick, if you just want to, you know, to add anything else, just do some more introduction of who you are and what you do and where you are, where you're from also.
1: I live in Michigan, Greater Flint. Uh, I love working with youth. I work through the youth through my private practice, but also through um, the local mosque and through mass. Um, And I am a heart to heart person. So I like the heart talk. I'm not the, you know, I'm not really the kind of person that does the shallow talk. I, I guess us introverts are like that. So I'm ready to have the heart conversations.
0: Oh, that's, it's a lot of, I feel pressure. Like, ah, uh. you know, it's funny. <laughs> I, re, I get along with introverts a lot because I'm like an extrovert. Right. And like, mm-hmm. you know, they always say like introverts have that one, like really loud mouth extrovert that adopts them and they become friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that, that's what it kind of feels like. So inshallah, we have that. But, yeah, you know, we're talking about a topic that's really, it's important. You know, it's a, especially in the times we live in, it's like a really changing point for a lot of people. In mm-hmm. terms of like their life, the direction it goes, the influence, the trajectory, how I could take it off course. That's a lot of things, right? Dealing with college, right? You have thousands and thousands of universities all across the United States, private, public, four-year community college, all kinds of things, right? So these institutions were typically meant for people to go learn a skill or trade or some, something, get certified in. And then go out, get a job and improve their lives and get married and get a family and live the American dream, quote unquote, get a house or yeah. you know, all these yeah. other things, you know. Yeah. Well now it's 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 like that, but institutions now you can say they have their flaws or we see the flaws now more than ever, you know. Sis do I could you just talk about, you know, historically what was like college meant for really, like at least in the Western sense in this this society.
1: So uh- I I guess, theoretically, it's a place where you got to learn your trade and then you can go out in the real world. But realistically speaking, it's also a very social scene, right? People go to colleges to make new friendships, to broaden their friendships. Um, Lots of people, they want to leave their home environments and they want to find something new to, to broaden their horizons. So there's a very big social part to joining the college scene. Um, and that could be a good thing or a bad thing, um, uh, really depending on what your value system is and what you have, like what your basics are when you go in there. Um, and in any environment, and any situation that you're going in, um, you've got you to have a set of core values to be able to broaden and really branch out. And, you know, that those roots have to be strong to be able to branch out. And so that's how I think of the college scene. The college scene, yes, you are coming in to learn your trade. But you're also getting to know a little bit more about yourself through the relationships that you discover and you establish in the college scene.
0: You know, that's, I think that's one part that's really underrated that doesn't get talked about in terms of, like, high school, right? High school, they prep you, do, like, for lack of better thing, I don't want to say stupid stuff, but, like, ACTs, SATs, like, that stuff, it matters. But it, nobody, your employers never ask you about that stuff, right? But, like, how yeah. to socially interact with people once you get on the campus and how to go about the, the the right means of finding the right group to be with and things of that nature and so what's a so you say like core principles people should have if we were to like put that inside of like high schools or middle schools elementary like how would that look like how would like what, what are some of those key uh attributes somebody should have in principles as a muslim when you're going into college
1: So I'd like to take a step back because I want to comment on something that you said about the high schools. A lot of the high schools that, you know, people go through, it's, it's kind of like, there's all these things you need to do to get out the door. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's very, it's a very structured, very like rule based, you know, you got to take this exam, you got to take these coursework, you've got to have benchmarks, all of those things. And, and young people, this is kind of like the core of where you know in their human development and their brain development even to really figure out who they are what are their values what do they represent and it's it's the time of their life where they ask themselves the question Uh, Do I want to turn out how my family is or do I want to be different from who my parents are, my family, my siblings, the people that are around me? And how am I going to be different? And I think a really missing key point that we don't find in a lot of these high schools, which is before college, right, is this discovery piece, really, really giving people the opportunity to figure out who they are. And so when they go on to college, that's kind of like the gate is open and people are like, yes, you know, let's figure this part out. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But going back to your initial, you know, question about core values, I mean, we have the specific core values that Islam kind of gives us in terms of a framework. But as human beings in general, there are some core values that we should be trying to incorporate and discover in our lives, things like creativity and innovation. Things like compassion, um, spirituality, love, connection, you know, purpose, uh, contributing to the community, you know, all of those things. And I think those are all different categories that we have to really look into what part of my life and my lifestyle um, and what I'm doing in my everyday, you know, living contributes to each of those categories. That's a big question we have to ask ourselves.
0: So question, let's rewind back because there's two things you touched on I want to ask about. The first is Mm -hmm. like self-discovery, you know, Mm -hmm. but before we get to self-discovery, because actually that may be something bigger, can you please just like solidify some of those concepts, right? Because, you know, sometimes we'll mention things like spirituality, creativity, innovation, but what do those look like tangibly? Can you give examples of how somebody maybe can make those realities versus, you know, I feel sometimes like. We as youth, we we may get confused hearing these things. It's like, okay, what does that look like? How do I? Is it like Absolutely. this? Is it like that? You know?
1: Absolutely. So let's start with spirituality because that's a very vague term that a lot of people like to use nowadays, right? So spirituality is basically this idea that there is a higher power, that there is a law there, there's a God there to watch over us, to take care of us, that the, everything happens for a reason right and it there's there's some sense of safety as human beings when we feel like there is a higher power who's 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 created us and knows what's best for us it's kind of like a safety net for everything that happens you know mm-hmm. cuz life is going to have those obstacles it's, it always will you know the quran tells us you know that you're not going to be believer unless you're tested And so this idea and this this concept that there is a higher power that takes care of me, that knows what's best for me. And I have to take time in my everyday life to connect with that higher power and ask that higher power for guidance is a really important concept and idea that we have to incorporate into our daily living. When it comes to things like creativity, um, we're just wired as human beings. We're different than every other creature on the earth. The way that we're wired is that we're wired to create new things things it's just that we 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 love to to innovate and when we don't spend time doing those things we feel bored we feel there's something off right and, and and we know that allah is beautiful and he loves beauty so if we can change something to become more beautiful or change something to become better it gives us a high it gives us a high it makes us feel better about our everyday living And other things like, um, compassion and contribution, you know, um, we need to feeling that, you know, we're not just living here for our own selves, but helping other people. And some people think that when we help others, it's for those people, but it really is for our own mental health. When we're helping others and we're compassionate to other, we feel better about who we are as people, um, So compassion, creativity, spirituality, uh, love and connection. One of the really biggest issues that a lot of young people face, especially during the pandemic, is this feeling of loneliness and isolation. Um, Because as young people, part of our development in figuring out our identity and who we are is related directly to the, the meaningful connections that we make with other human beings. And so we, because we're tribal creatures, that's how we are as human beings. We have to feel like we belong to a community, to a group. And the college scene, if, you know, that's, that's a big part of it. You know, the clubs, the, you know, the MSAs, the, the group of friends that we feel that we align in terms of values or hobbies or interests. Those are really important for us to feel um, happy and healthy as young people.
0: You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because it kind of sounds like it's the flip, right? It sounds like high school, were on this trajectory to where it's, they, they they force it to where, okay, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this, you have to do that. And then when you get to college, you're like, oh, oh what's this? Oh, what's that? SubhanAllah. What's this? What's that? And you get like all wide eyed, right? And like yeah. your Muslim friends, you may see them be like, yeah, I, I know you guys, I love you guys, but. You guys stay over there. Like, <laughs> let me push you guys to the side and discover yeah. like what's actually on this campus. So, you know, you saying that it, it makes sense. You know that we should flip it, right? It should be that maybe in high school that you discover you we do more discovery, and then in college you'll be more solidified. And okay, this is what you need to do. Stay on this track. Continue. Keep going forward. But you know, it seems like the the society we live in does the flip because. I don't know. There's just something interesting. Yeah. And, and, I,
1: and I'm telling you, a lot of the clients that I see that are Muslim, they're because everybody has to go through some kind of identity formation in their lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. For a lot of the Muslim young people, it's shifted. It's like, you know, it's supposed to be during the teenage years, but a lot of times they're figuring out themselves in their 20s a lot later because of, for whatever reason, maybe it's because their, their school, maybe because of, um, really strict rules where they were kind of like in a bubble, you know, where they weren't really able to explore, um, and really find themselves. And so, and this is what I tell parents all the time. You have to let your, your young person explore and make those mistakes of course within a framework you know some threshold there but make <laughs> those mistakes to really discover who they are cuz otherwise they're they're eventually going to have to go through that process right and it's it's nice to be to have the people around you who can give you those handlebars or those hand handrails right Uh, where they're giving you that coaching and that advice and while you're going through it, instead of waiting when you're kind of feeling like you're on your own and you don't have that kind of mentorship.
0: And you know, one thing that makes me, that emphasize that point even more is when I think about, you know, I I grew up in Michigan, you know, shout out Michigan. So that's one reason I had to shout out Michigan. Um, (laughs) But, you know, growing up in Michigan, I realized the difference between Some of the children and students who went further than others in terms of like what they did with careers in terms of school and things of that nature was the level of exposure that they had as children, right? Some people never left the neighborhood. They just stayed there. They never went out. They never seen different things, whereas others got to see different things, try different programs. So then when it came time for their adult lives, it was easier to make those steps towards those things and they weren't as scary, right? Because I think the- if you could speak to that point just speaking about the anxiety of self-discovery and experimentation of trying new things you know
1: yeah it's scary trying to figure out who you are it doesn't matter how old you are it's scary because you as we're just wired to be in our comfort zones and we when we step out of our comfort zones to kind of figure out what is it that I do like or I do want. There's a part of us that screams, no, 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 just stay, stay the same, stay in the same patterns. And especially if you've watched your family or your neighborhood or, you know, whatever the people around you are going through a certain trajectory, the moment you step out of that, it's, it's anxiety inducing for sure. Um, And that's where the mentorship comes in the mentorship where you have someone that can say, no, you can do it. You know, a a good friend or a good mentor, an older mentor that can say, no, I, you know, I have faith in you. I know you can. Um, And, and it doesn't necessarily only have to be from people, but from even our Islamic framework to even to give us those, 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 that support that, that kind of support that we need when we're going through those. But I agree with you Um, sometimes you know, I wish there were things like more in- apprenticeships or you know opportunities for people to explore what it or is. Or trips, like or
0: to- things of that nature. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah. We kind of we kind of really went away from that, and I feel like that's really important for young people to have.
0: And you know, with this whole with the, more on the like self discovery tip, you know, one thing that I want to like talk about and see if we can like dig into is now. Self-discovery sometimes seems like, I don't know, in my head now I'm seeming like, all right, is that like a loaded term now, right? Because oh, a lot yeah. of times self-discovery is connected to LGBTQ or uh, 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 being free in your experimentation of drugs and things of that nature, right? Now, mm-hmm. I'm not before, like, not, I'm not defending that stuff. I'm not dissing that stuff. I'm just saying that, okay, l- let's say that is a form of self-discovery, right? We can't limit the definition just to that. So, how do we open up the minds of youth to where they don't think that's the only thing that is synonymous with self-discovery and exploring and trying out different things?
1: I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of a lot of young people, when they think about identity formation, they feel like there's there aren't any limitations whatsoever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's where we go back to this safety net piece. Is that um, Allah subhanahu wa taala puts for us a framework, a specific framework of of what is good for us as human beings, and we may not fully understand it. We may we may never fully understand it, but that's where the, this concept of roots. What we really need to work on is our love and trust of Allah subhanahu wa taala. That this idea that Allah knows what's best for us, He cares for us. And if I know that this, you know, pathway of Islam is true and that Allah does care for us, let's take a look, a deep look at what the framework is in terms of what is good for us and then explore within that framework. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like people don't um, explore in ways that might not be healthy, right? It it happens and it's a part of the growth of, of the human experience. Um but what is oftentimes missing are the really deep conversations open conversations that we have to have with our young people so you know i'm sure many people have heard of the young man who came to the prophet muhammad sallallahu and said you know can can i can you give me permission to commit zina mm-hmm. right and zina we can't mm-hmm. we can't do adultery in islam but it the, the conversation wasn't shunned by the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. The conversation was was happening. He was talking with him, right? And there were so many topics of that nature that were never really shut down. And I think that's where the exploration piece is. It's not about the thinking and the questioning and the conversations and even the dabbling in some of those things sometimes. It's not it's it's not about that it's about having the spaces that are safe enough for the young for young people to to have those really important conversations but understand how they can make those connections with the islamic understanding and the islamic framework
0: not definitely now with question like so as we proceed you know what are your your therapist you know your counselor so you deal with people on the very, like their emotional level and the most sincere at least, if they try to be sincere, big word of advice: please be honest with your therapist because they can only give you the right <laughs> advice if you're being honest about what you're going through. Absolutely. So, I see the joke. A lady was like, "I lied to my therapist for years, and she thought everything was fine." But <laughs> you know, so please don't lie to We're your not therapist.
1: mind readers. We're we're not mind readers. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, but you know, with 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 therapy and college students, what are some of the reoccurring themes you see that people come and they talk to you about and they express like, I'm suffering through this. I'm struggling with this. What are like some things you see often?
1: So s- surprisingly, because a lot of people may not assume or see, think this or assume otherwise, a lot of the young people, the young guys that I see, uh, at least many of them fe- felt like when they went off to college, they could just do anything, Right. Yeah. and they would try all kinds of things and we're talking about everything right yeah. drugs premarital sex yeah. i mean i mean everything right yeah. and then it doesn't feel so good mm-hmm. they and they're like you know i thought it was going to feel amazing i thought my life was going to be you know perfect you know i held it together when i was with my family and you know when i was a part of the mosque and now that i'm kind of you know quote unquote free you know and i've tried everything I'm not happy. I'm still not happy, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like they come they have this existential crisis. They ask themselves, okay, well what is it that I do want? If I if this if this is something that I'm trying and I'm still not happy and I'm still not content. Mm-hmm. What is it that I do want? And a lot of them when they come to see me, that's a question they ask themselves is like I kind of feel like I want to go back to this Dean thing and I want to go back to like, you know, the values, but I don't know where to start because mm-hmm. everything that I've associated with Dean and everything that I've associated with religion, I don't have a very good feeling about that either. But I know that mm-hmm. where the path that I'm taking doesn't feel so good. Mm-hmm. So I know that I get a lot, I, I get that a lot oftentimes from Muslim kids, uh, I, Surprisingly, both boys and you know both sisters and brothers, but a lot from the brothers, to be honest. Um, another thing is anxiety. Mm-hmm. Really, really, uh, for a lot of young people, um, they're just anxious. You know, they're anxious. They, mm-hmm. they, they feel. Um, I, I would say for for sisters a little bit more than the brothers. There's like this per- performance piece, mm-hmm. right? For for many different different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to prove, you know, for very traditional families, I have to prove that as a woman, I can excel and I can do well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's this piece of, you know, um, I have to make it out there because, you know, I'm a Muslim and I'm visibly Muslim. As, mm-hmm. So I have to make sure that, you know, people see me in a really positive light or people re- see me as, you know, excellent in what I do. And while that's a really good dawah piece, it is a lot of pressure. You know because you're feeling, you know, with especially with all the Islamophobia and, you know, and there a lot of these sisters that are visibly Muslim, they feel like it's their responsibility to make sure that they show the world that Islam is beautiful. They show the world that Islam is perfect and they're perfect and there's nothing going on with them, right? And they have to put on that mask of being smiling all the time and even if they're having a bad day, you know, they can't show that part. And so putting on a mask every day, all the time, because otherwise people are going to think of you as, you know, the terrorist or the bad Muslim, right, is exhausting. It's mm. extremely exhausting. Um, So I, you know, that's kind of in a nutshell a lot of what I see right. with the, with the Muslim youth when they go off to college.
0: You know, one thing that's the underlying thing that kind of hit me is like, the 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 theme of like perfection right and you know the last episode i actually referenced this book if i'm not mistaken by uh is dr malik badri uh he was uh allah he was um it's a book by uh zaid al-belki i forget it's a islamic cognitive mm-hmm. uh guy from like the seventh century cognitive guy mm-hmm. scientist <laughs> but uh he was writing about and he said in the book if i'm not mistaken anxiety seems to be the root of all the mental uh uh troubles that people go through right and mm-hmm. you know it just makes me think you know those brothers they say i want to try this dean thing but i don't know where to start The sisters say i have to make islam look like it's perfect and it's almost like once they get that anxiety after going through whatever the west of the shaitan is oh you're not perfect i ah, just forget it ah this isn't perfect yeah. just just don't why go back to dean because speaking from like a personal antidote relating to the guys mm-hmm. i know that mm-hmm. One thing I would definitely say is when you get to college as a young man, right? People, of course, people don't know if you're Muslim. They see you, they think you're just whoever, right? But mm-hmm. that thing of freedom at the—it's just ridiculous how much freedom you have and how much it's, it's power, right? And if you've never and had a lot that, of before, can, and a
1: no, lot of the guys and a lot of the guys can get away with it because yeah. there a lot of them aren't visibly Muslim, right? So
0: you know, and it's not like oh. If you get caught leaving this dorm, you're mm-hmm. a hijabi or you 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 take off your hijab and somebody sees you, hey, don't you wear that that thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. no, it's like you you do that. But when you go through all of that and then it's like it's time to come back, it's this feeling of like disgust and almost shame mm-hmm. and like kind of like depression. Not even kind of, it's definitely yeah. depression, right? Because it's thinking like, man, like this thing that was perfect to me, I was a part of this perfect fold. But now I've messed up and I'm out of it. Yeah. Right. I can't get back in. Right. And then the same with the sisters where it's like, I have to stay perfect or else I'll never get back. Right. Oh, if I mess up. Because I know sisters who uh, have, of course, made mistakes. right? And it's done a lot of, I don't want to say damage to use that word. Right. Because it's a heavy word, but it had a lot of impact on them. Right. Cut off. And it was tough for them to come back. So you know that, that whole thing of perfection and like mm-hmm. anxiety is really it, it seems to be an underlying theme. You know how do we how do we combat something like that, right? How do I say, all right, like of course one way of course it would be learning like the sirah and learning stories of the companions and really thinking of that in like true context, right? Like oh, these people had mistakes, they had issues, but what other ways can we combat that that battling that perfection and saying like I'm a Muslim, all right, I made a mistake. Astaghfirullah, make tawbah, get back to praying to rakat and just yeah, keep it moving. Yeah.
1: You know, khayrul meaning the best of you are those that Allah sees are, are, are the ones who make mistakes and they repent. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala isn't expecting us. And this is what I remind my clients all the time. He's not expecting us to be perfect. Only Allah is perfect. He's, he knows he's, we're going to make mistakes and he just and, and some of sometimes those are the mistakes that bring us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because because you don't reach out to Allah hard unless you fall hard right mm-hmm. you have to you you have to make those mistakes and so and and it goes back again to our relationship how we view Allah unfortunately just from a psychological perspective how we view Allah is related to the authority figures that we had as children growing up So if you had authority figures when you were younger that were strict and harsh and, you know, um, didn't allow you to make those mistakes, then oftentimes that's how we associate our creator. Mm -hmm. When, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ar-Rahman, ar-Rahim, repeated over and over and over again in the beginning of every surah, right? So... I think we have to kind of flip that mindset of that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there for us and to surround ourselves with the people that remind us of that, that really hold space. If you really look at the Prophet Muhammad in the seerah, you know, the way that he helped people to understand God and to understand Allah is not through preaching and saying this is what Allah is, one, two, three, four, five. It's through the relationships that he had with people with with the things that they with, that they that would, they would do wrong that Allah subhanahu that the prophet would would comfort them connect with them and then they said they would never touch that again because they felt so loved by the prophet muhammad sallallahu and there's story after story after story in the seerah of you know the prophet sallallahu people making mistakes and him and and him not really um, you know reprimanding them in a way that would would shame them but allowing them, leaving that gate open, which Allah Subhanahu wa Taala always leaves for us, and that's a psychological way to deal with it is is to give people hope. People need to feel like there's hope in the mistakes that they make and the journeys that they, the journey that they take.
0: You know that reminds me of a quote. If this, uh, what's the guy's name? I want to say. Let me look it up really quick. But the quote was along the lines. He was on a, a show and he was speaking about how. The greatest—the reason a lot of companies want to monetize what we do, especially our attention, is the greatest thing that we have in our society is human and social interaction, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. human and social interaction is everything. Like, they know, okay, when well, Sis Dua is going to the store and she sees uh, Sis uh, Iman, oh, they talk right there. Okay, let's see if we can put something there before they talk to make them want to buy something. Like, But that social interaction, right? And the way the Prophet, salallahu sallam, he, he he treated the companions and people, he gave the greatest of value to those people, right? And because of that, when they're around them, that's why they felt that inspiration. And when they're around them, even though things may be bad, they feel like, all right, I messed up on things, but the way th- this guy reminds me, right? And I th- think that's super important for us to do, cultivating the the way we interact with our society but you know smartphones kind of make that a little bit harder right
1: yeah i mean the prophet (laughs) sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said if you love a brother tell him that you love him Mm -hmm. i mean it seems like such an insignificant thing but it's such a powerful practice that if you love someone tell them let them know it, show it to them. Right. And that's how we build bonds with one another. That's how we connect with one another. And when we hold space for one another that way, that's how we lift each other up. Yeah. Okay. I I'm going through this struggle too with the deans. Cause sometimes what happens is we, we live in these silos. We think we're the only ones dealing with this issue or this problem or anxiety or whatever it is. But when you're with a group, you know, I do a lot of parent groups and parent workshops. And sometimes Parents, they're like, I'm really struggling with this with this with my kids, and, and, and they think they're the only ones. Mm-hmm. And when they're sitting with a whole group of other parents, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going through the same thing. Me too, me too. It feels that community, you know, surrounding that community support makes you feel like, okay, I can I can do this. We can talk about this together.
0: Yeah, it definitely makes you feel uh, not alone. And, you know, people, I think that's one reason why the concept of Jemai is really emphasized, right, on people... Mm-hmm. Not that people are necessarily cowards. I don't want to use a word like that, but people are less likely to do things on the loan because that fear, right? You don't know that the fear of the unknown, right? But as a group, mm-hmm. you feel more confident moving forward. Okay. Or you have even just one person. Hey, let's try this thing. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Let's yeah. try it. We'll do it. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, I, think,
1: I think the, the, the caveat with that though is that sometimes people feel like they always have to be a part of a group no matter what. No, exactly. Even yeah, if that group... True. Even if that group is detrimental to, the, to to their soul or who they want to really be, right? And so the flip side of that is, you know, the Prophet, I He says, "Tuba mm-hmm. al Glad tidings to the strangers. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, you're gonna feel like a stranger. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're gonna feel like a stranger. And so you need to find those fellow strangers that you can hang out with and have those conversations with, because in the in the general mainstream college scene. You, you, it's gonna be hard to fit in. So even these, even these young people that go and they feel like, you know, I can get away with not being visibly Muslim, I can do all of these things and it's not gonna be a big deal, you know, the Prophet he he teaches us that that sin is is the thing that causes friction in your heart. And so even if you're on the outside doing all of these things, if you're not feeling it, it's gonna come back to you. You're going to feel like eh, something doesn't feel right. And that's a, a lot of the clients that I see. That's what they tell me. They say, I just don't feel good. I don't feel right. You know, subhanAllah. And that's the fitra of the human being. The fitrah, we don't want to reach a point where our hearts are so hardened because we've kind of just gone through that. We kind of ignore that feeling and we keep going, keep going. We ignore that feeling. And then that friction isn't as detectable anymore.
0: Well, I- you know, one thing I will say, this is about to sound super cliche. I know when they cut it and they put mm-hmm. it out there, they'll say, Ah, oh, yeah, we've heard this a million times. But one thing I would say that's definitely key is habits, right? Key habits are key, especially if you're trying to develop and build yourself. And I think the one thing which did you notice, because I'm gonna go into talking about bad friends and bad influences, right? At least in the college scene, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the first thing that the go with people once they get to school is this a lot, right? Like once they really get on the deep end, right? They really yeah. go on the deep end. They lose the salah. Yeah. And I think if you don't keep anything, I'm not saying, don't say, oh, this guy on this podcast told me to like not read Quran, not go to Juma, anything. No. But if you do abandon everything, at least keep the salah, right? And the reason why, A, it gives you, everything is in the salah, right? Afkar, Quran, remembrance of Allah, um, remembering to align yourself, having to walk in Allah, Subhanahu Wa Taala, but it's also a habit. It's something that it grounds you, right? Because whatever you're doing, it always brings you back and you remember and you're like, okay, let me remember that. Because I know me personally, right? And other people I knew, that was one of the first things to go with people or they didn't have it at all, right? Because mm-hmm, we have some people mm-hmm. who before they got to college, they weren't solid with praying, right? Yeah. So then yeah. what happens is, and this is a pattern I've noticed, right? When it's time, let's say it's time to pray a lot, we all hang in with a group of people. So, what will happen is you meet a group of people at school. They're really cool. Okay, you guys are awesome. They're not bad. Nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Then what mm-hmm. happens is they're like, "Oh, come hang out with us one day." Okay, so you go to mm-hmm. hang out. It's around like eight thirty. Around this time, like eight thirty, eight forty, eight fifty.
1: Mm-hmm. And like, hey,
0: um, how's everything? It's good. Okay, um, yeah. So you wanna um, we about to. You're thinking to yourself, oh, it's time to pray a lot. Oh man, I should pray ah, but I'm here with all these people. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to just pray around them. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. You know, mm-hmm. but what happens is during that time, I feel when that anxiety comes, that's when the west of the shaitan comes. Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. now is when I go in. Hey, don't pray around these people. It's awkward. It's weird. Mm-hmm. And then to make mm-hmm. matters even more complex, let's say during that time, they're like, hey man, you know, it's nine o'clock, nine o'clock around. That's when people get ready to go out. They're like, hey, we're about to drink a beer? or have some drinks. Do you you want to drink? And it's mm-hmm. like, oh. I gotta tell them I don't drink. Mm-hmm. Okay, hey guys, um, I don't, I don't drink. And then they're like, oh, you don't drink? And then it becomes awkward. And then eventually over time, the Shaitan he keeps coming during that anxiety, those anxiety moments, mm-hmm. anxious moments, mm-hmm. puts that what's for And eventually it breaks you down. So how do we navigate uh, 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 making the right decision in those moments and avoiding that what's for and then avoiding just navigating bad influences of people who may not necessarily be bad? But just what they engage in may not be something you engage in,
1: yeah, so I like what you said at the beginning. You have to have a full cup if you're on empty, then it's easy to for you to kind of go astray. So when I say full cup, before you even are a part of that eight o'clock nine o'clock scene, there's mm-hmm. got to be things that you've got in your schedule and your habits that are filling your cup to the brim so because it's going to leak every so often, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, So things like Salah Like the Quran tells us When you pray It's kind of like a bubble It's like a, a force field Right It protects you from those things And it's It's something that we don't Fully understand Because it's It's something of the unseen But But it's it, it's true. It, and, and even all these new age science things, you know, people like, you know, I got my yoga practice. I got my mindful <laughs> mindfulness practice in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff, which is really great stuff, but we have Salah, yeah. we have Salah. And in the most amazing times of the day, those, you know, when the sun comes up, when the sun goes down, it really mm-hmm. connects us with the creator. Right. Mm-hmm. And so keeping your salat as a part of your of your daily practice is really important because it gives you that reservoir of spirituality that you need to combat those things. I would say that's one part of filling your cup. Another part is really having your support system of friends that even if they're not there in the moment, they're there to fill you with the right ideas and the right, I guess, kind of direction in terms of filling you with something you you know what your compass, where your compass is supposed to be pointing before you even get there. Before you even get there, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're gonna you're gonna have your support with that, which includes friends and mentors, you're gonna have your relationship with Allah and the daily practices that you have with your relationship with Allah. And then and then I would say think ahead of what might happen and practice. You know, sometimes I do that with some of my clients. I'm like, all right, tell me what the scene looks like and let's yeah. practice. Let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's, and and it doesn't, you don't need a therapist to do that. You can run the, the conversation in your mind and anticipate what is it that I can do or what is it that I can, you know, what is it that I can say in that, in that particular, uh mm-hmm. particular situation. And then of course, dua, really asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for guidance and help in, in, in doing those, those particular, uh, things. The last thing I would say is if this is the only social scene or environment that you have in your life, then that's an issue. Because as like we mentioned earlier, like we mentioned earlier, we need those social environments. We need to connect with other human beings. If you don't have other places that are healthier and not so risky, you know, then you're going to end up going to these, you know, spaces all the time because as human beings, we need to be social and we need to feel like we're a part of a community. So fill your days, fill your times with other things that you enjoy that would fill your cup in other ways.
0: Mm, That's very interesting, you know, having, so would you say it's safe safe for each activity you should have like a group per se? Like, you know how I mean, many activities how many activities in groups would you say you know or let, let's not make it a number but a you know just breaking that down a little more i can't hear you hello
1: all right i you can hear, hear, hear you now yeah
0: oh. <laughs> no I was saying like so it, does that look like taking each activity that you like to do and making a group for it of people that you socialize with or the, what does that look like exactly
1: You can, you can. Or even if it's things that you, it's important to also be introspective and do some solo activities too. So go for a run in the morning if that's your thing. Right. Um, you know, for some, you know, for some people it's doing art, you know, So for some people, it's playing a team sport. It really, really, you you have to kind of sit with yourself and figure out what is it that you enjoy, you truly feel passionate about, and it just makes you feel uplifting. And the thing is, when we talk about even connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it doesn't necessarily have to be just salah, right? Because sometimes people are like, I don't feel it. I'm praying and I don't feel it, right? One of the best ways to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and even with yourself is to go out in nature, and you don't have to be doing something specific. You could go for a, a hike. You could just sit down and look at the sky. You could listen to the water when it's raining. You know, listen to the raindrops. I mean, whatever you know you enjoy, and and try to figure out all your five senses. What do you like to smell? What do you like to hear? What do you like to feel? Um, that's a really a great way to connect with this higher power, but also to practice being introspective with yourself, to really hear your thoughts and your thought pattern. And what, what is it that's going on in your mind? It gives you a sense of, of, um, of calmness and peace to really hear what you have to say without the noise.
0: Mm. So, you know, the next part I want to talk about is, Mm -hmm. uh, alcohol and drugs, you know. So I know you like I said before in the beginning of the podcast, you work for FYI Family and Youth Institute and you guys mm-hmm. I, I seen on your page you guys had some study you did, mashallah. Um that was conducted when or the flat banner looked like it was 2015, but I'm sure you guys have done research since then. Do you have some statistics on Muslim youth in, uh, in their college usage of alcohol and drugs?
1: Yeah, actually that 2014 study that you were talking about, there's an infographic on the FYI website. So Young people, I mean, comparatively speaking, to non-Muslims, non-Muslims they they engage in premarital sex around seventy-six percent. But for 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 Muslims, we're talking about in the fifty mark. You know, the fifty the fifty-seven percent um, for for males, forty-eight percent for females. Uh, especially, you know, for for, for also for non-Muslims, when we're talking about alcohol. We're at the sixty-three percent, but for for Muslims, we're at forty-five percent. And so that's a, that's a pretty, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, 47% of Muslims consuming alcohol. That's a lot of people that surprises them. Uh, but that's when they experiment and, and our young people are dealing with that. And like you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of shame associated with, with some of those, um, experiences, even those who, even those who identify as quote unquote religious are, are engaging in alcohol use.
0: Hmm. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what, like, when this study was done, was it like just on like college campuses, and you guys asked people to like, randomly take an anonymous survey, or how was the study conducted?
1: I'm not sure. You'd have to kind of look on the on the the FYI website itself. I'm not. I'm not the one who is who's done the research, but I know that they mm-hmm. did a lot of extensive work. Dr. Samita Ahmed was a big part of that of uh, uh, that research project so but but it is uh, available under that the fyi.org uh under that underneath that particular infographic with the alcohol and drug use for young muslims
0: now with the alcohol and the drug usage um you know a lot of that is um sometimes it's to numb something right sometimes it's mm-hmm. to partake in something sometimes it becomes a crutch for people now, through your counseling and your, your, your therapy you've done with college students, what are some of the reasons people have told you they've resulted to turning to uh, alcohol and drugs?
1: Loneliness, feeling mm. empty, anxiety. It's it's filling a void. There's a, there's a book, trying to remember who the author is, but I th- it's called. I think it's called the opposite of addiction is connection. I think that's what it's called. I can't remember the name mm-hmm. of the author, but that's that's in essence what it is. Is that when people get really, you know, addicted to this, it's 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 often in the absence of of human connection. And I can't say for sure that that's everybody, mm-hmm. um, because sometimes it runs in families. Uh, mm. but a lot, but oftentimes a lot of the young people, it's, it, it it's filling some kind of a void. And that goes back to our conversation on relationships again, right? Whether mm. it's a relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or relationships with, with humans.
0: Wow. It's subhanAllah. The loneliness fact it just, it, it kind of made me lonely here <laughs> and that it's like, wow, <laughs> you know, cause it, it's true, you know, I and, think. And, you know, and
1: that's the thing. Like when we talk about, um, I don't know if I'm talking over you. No, go ahead, go ahead, for go ahead. A second. Um, th- that's the thing is, um, it's not just the relationships that we have with other people, but the relationship that we have with our own selves. So sometimes a lot of us feel a lot of self-loathing, like we don't feel like we're worthy of happiness. We are not. We don't feel like we're worthy of love. We don't feel like we're worthy of excelling in our careers, whatever it is, right? Sometimes we don't even think we're worthy of being good Muslims, right? Or really connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't deserve it, right? Um, and that could be as a result of messaging that we received as children or whatever environment that we were in. Um, there's also a personality factor. You know, some of us see things in a better light than others and we have to work on ourselves a little, a little harder. Um, but I think. Uh, oftentimes it's a very painful feeling to have, not feeling worthy of love and happiness. And sometimes people kind of go in that direction to kind of medicate that, you know, to, to feel a little better. And it might not have started that way. It could have been a social thing too. Like the social scene at, you know, in college is often related to drugs and alcohol. So sometimes it was just, let me just try this. Let me see how it is because I want to be a part of this group and I want to be a part of a community. And then it kind of just goes in that direction because it's just a part of what the community looks like and feels like in order to be in this tribe.
0: And, you know, it it just, it makes me think about um, what we were talking about earlier about telling somebody, if you love them, the loneliness factor and two things, you know, I thought about this story. My, one of my chefs was telling me it was about a guy. I don't know if he was Muslim or not, but it was sad because mm-hmm. the guy, he either he killed himself or he attempted to kill himself. I think he killed himself mm-hmm. and he wrote in the letter, if somebody, all I wanted was somebody to tell me that they loved me. That's it. Yeah. If somebody had just yeah. done that, then I would have just like, none of this would have happened. Right. And as you think of the college scene and the society we live in, things are very, it's become more. It's kind of dog-eat-dog, dog, right? Like, the world was always dog-eat-dog, dog, at least what people say, that terminology. But it's very rough. It's what do you have? Who are you? And, you know, respect is earned, not given, right? Which is completely opposite of the Islamic paradigm, right? Right? Like, yeah. uh, uh, what's that? uh adam, right? Like, everybody has mm-hmm. this, like, respect. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: until you do something to where I, like, I stay away from you, I'm not going to disrespect you, right? We give everybody that proper... Uh, uh uh courteous courtesy right but you know it seems in our society things have become more dry and heartless why why do you think that is why do you think things have become very you know the way it is really lack of love lack of empathy lack of care lack of sincerity
1: it's it's strange like we live in an increasingly digital world so we're technically supposed to be more connected (laughs) but it's, it feels like we're, we're not like, it feels like, um, even with all the social media and all the different methods to connect with people, it's, we're not in each other's true spaces. It's, it's almost performative. A lot of the times it's performative. I'm not saying all the time and I'm not trying to bash social media, but like a lot of it is. And so we always feel like we have to be on performance mode like, and we talked about this earlier, we have to, we have to, you know, we can't just be ourselves. Like we, and I was talking earlier about this heart talk, you know, how many times we say people, some people, someone will ask us, how are you? And the typical answer is fine. And you're not fine. You're sc- deep down inside. You're totally not fine. But that's the generic answer that we have to tell everyone. And it, it just doesn't feel real. And so people have learned to put on that mask and be unreal and not really have the the real heart conversations. Um, and I think we've forgotten also how to draw important boundaries too. Like it's, yes, it, and it's always a balance. That's why Islam is the the, the middle path. We, we try to live the, the middle path. Yes, it's important to have those heart-to-heart conversations, but also... Um, you have to create the boundaries where you know that you're going in a direction that is unhealthy for your, for you or for your own sanity and your own mental health. Um, there's a really great book, Nedra Taweb, I think, is the, is the author. She's, she, and she talks a lot about setting boundaries. Um, because I think we, that's a skill that a lot of us haven't learned and haven't really mastered in terms of, like you said, I don't drink. <laughs> Sometimes we're afraid to draw that boundary line, mm-hmm. even though there's so many people that don't drink, not for Islamic purposes or religious purposes, you know, you know, they just, you know, maybe they know that they're prone to addiction. Maybe they, it runs in their family and there's too much trauma related to drinking. You know, there's so many reasons why someone might not drink and it's okay for someone to draw that boundary line. But for some reason, when we think about it from an Islamic perspective, it's taboo and it's wrong to draw that boundary line right? now, mm-hmm. it's embarrassing to draw that boundary line, right? Um, but going back to your original question of why is it that way? I, I think we haven't given ourselves the opportunity and the time and the space to really, truly get to know one another on a deeper level. It's just, it's just quick, quick, quick move from one thing to another, one event to another. Even even when we talk about youth programming at the masjid or in our Muslim spaces, something that really gets to me is we have so many Muslim spaces where there's so much programming, meaning uh, like, you know, let's go to a picnic this weekend and then we're going to go to bowling the next weekend and then we're going to I don't know, like, you know, go for a hike and do all these things. And it's just one event after another, like dinner, bowling, but then there really isn't anything incorporated into this programming of, do you actually know the people that you're bowling with or you're hiking with, or that you're going on this outing with, are you giving people the opportunity to really have these deep, solid, meaningful relationships and not just relationships with each other in the same age group, but intergenerational relationships for a young person to sit with a senior and really acquire some of their knowledge and experience and understanding of the world and their wisdom is really important. And for the older people to really take a, to really see the perspective of young people, what they're living, what they're going through in a digital age is very different. And for them to have those conversations, I don't think we really provide that in many very you know, in many spaces.
0: You know, it, and it's missing. It, it, that thing, that point that you hit really, it, it, it hits deep for me in the sense of I, at a particular moment I think about that always gets me is Ramadan, right? Ramadan is like the best time for those periods where you really connect with people, right? Like a lot mm-hmm. of the brothers from the masjid, we've done other things together, but some of our deep memories we have are the Ramadans we spent together. Oh, you remember we played basketball yeah. that one time? Yeah, you remember one time the Sheikh led and he read Bakara and it was like the longest time. Yeah, well, I almost felt like those moments of like when you were there and you guys talked and you guys shared those moments you guys just how's everything going and you just you know it's ramadan you don't eat so your spirituality is higher you're more open you're friendlier and you share you know and you just you're more receptive i think that's the other thing right you're more receptive to wanting to hear and you're a better listener which is something i think that is super underrated because you know a lot of the times especially with us young people right when we talk to one another it's kind of like okay hurry up and say what you want to say so i can like go do what i want to mm-hmm. do but it's like mm-hmm. the skill of really listening to somebody isn't like really eminent it's not there right so it's like yeah. okay but if you really were to sit and listen to what this person is actually telling you you might find value or it might be maybe not now but maybe later it'll be something that you could find and something that can really benefit you or something you could yeah. use to benefit somebody else or help them you know
1: yeah, yeah, and, and the the Prophet Muhammad was the best example of that, you know, when when people would be missing from a battlefield, like if you think about a battlefield, like Malik, he was missing from the battlefield, you're talking about hundreds of soldiers. Like you why would you pay attention to who's missing? But the Prophet he paid attention. He's he says, Where's Cab? You know, he notices when people are missing. He, he, the companions would ask Abu Bakr siddiq radiallahu anhu He was very quick to, tears were very quick coming to his eyes When he would hear verses of the Quran And the companions would, would inquire why he was crying Not because don't dare, you know, don't cry But we want to know why you're crying So we can cry next to you, we can cry with you, right? And so the Prophet وسلم, you know and we hear the story so many times. The young, the young boy who lost his pet bird, you know, who passed, yeah. you know, the pet bird passed away, and the Prophet Sallallahu said, Wasallam, you know, pet him and you know asked him about his bird. He didn't have to do that. But those are the really, those are the connections, those are the little, those little things that really matter and count, right? Mm. And and I think when we're when we're going into this college scene as young people, we have to be able to say who are, who are the people that I can have those relationships mm-hmm. or where are the spaces that I can look for to create those relationships. And I think part of the responsibility of that is on us as parents and caregivers and mentors and chaplains. And you know it, it's important for us to create those spaces for young people because it's hard enough as it is in their environment and at least we can open up those, you know, environments for the, so that they can find that type of mentorship and relationship.
0: And speaking of relationship, great segue. Now, of course, this is a very underrated uh, aspect of the college experience, but interacting with the opposite gender, I, of course, I couldn't leave that out, right? What are <laughs> some, you know... Uh, I'm sure you hear your fair share of grievances. What are some grievances you hear about interacting with the opposite gender in terms of like college people?
1: Uh, So I guess there's a spectrum. <laughs> there's a spectrum. <laughs> there's the kinds of Muslims where, you know, before the college scene, they weren't ever allowed to talk to the opposite gender. So here we go again. We're opening up that door and it just feels like either they have no idea what to do. Um, or they're like, let's try everything, right? Um, and then there's no boundaries. There's no there's no Islamic framework because they've never really given those. They've never really had those conversations, or mm-hmm. the opportunity to practice what it looks like to be appropriate with the, with with the opposite gender, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you also have. People who are so afraid to speak to the opposite gender because of that, you know, previous experience, that they're super strict, and they, you know, and that's a grievance that a lot of women have actually. That you know, the dude is Muslim; he didn't even say salams to me, right? You know, like Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, but he'll say he'll say whatever to the non-Muslim girl that's walking down the street, right? So, Mm -hmm. so this this idea of brotherhood and sisterhood. Um, is kind of um, it's kind of thwarted. It's kind of it's it's warped. <laughs> I don't know what a better word to use. It's warped. It's either we we can't ever talk to each other ever, or we're crossing boundary lines, um, and we forget that we are the middle path. You know that we're the Prophet didn't teach us this way. We are still brothers and sisters in Islam. We still care about one another. Um, So, you know, giving salam, there isn't a restriction that says don't give give salams to your sister or your brother, you know. So I think that's probably the biggest thing because a lot of young people are still trying to figure out or navigate how to go about it, how to do it. Especially during that, you know, that stage of their life, they're looking for intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so... You know sometimes they're confused okay well how do how do I actually find my person mm-hmm. if there's all these rules and restrictions in terms of interacting with the opposite gender, and I don't know what's right or what's wrong. Going back to mm-hmm. mentorship again we we need mentorship to really have those conversations
0: <laughs> you you know one thing I definitely say and it's it seems to be a common thing among, theme amongst Muslims in our time period, right? I've had brothers older than me, right? Who've come and said, how do I talk to Muslim women? Like, wh- wh- how do I go about this? What's the <laughs> framework, how, right? <laughs> because it's just like this this awkwardness between the two sides. It's kind of like, okay, do you say salams? do you not? And I, I can only imagine being younger after leaving, let's say you went to Islamic school your whole life. And then it's like, oh, I'm supposed to graduate. And after I graduate, more than likely, they're gonna want me to get married. But yeah. in terms of finding the person, all right? how do i go about that how do i talk to this person right and then you never talk to these people but then let's say you let's say you did or you didn't go to islamic school right talking to the non-muslim whoever she may be or whoever he may be is like Mm -hmm. 50 times easier right because you've just had more experience whether you go to the grocery store whether you work on a project with somebody whether teachers walking down the street like we're surrounded by more non-muslims than we are muslims right because we stay in a Mm non-muslim country and then you have that experience interacting with them. So then you know, okay, like, I know where to go, where not to go. And, you know, I feel like that really does create more of an issue in terms of the two interacting because it could create some, maybe potentially some resentment, right, on the side of either side. Oh, why do you talk to that person? Why, why are they talking with them? But they don't say anything to me, right? Right.
1: I think there's a judgment piece too. Like, what is this person going to say about how I interact with them? Or do, and it's again, it's based on our our Muslim, unfortunately, Muslim community's environment. We haven't really given young people uh, a way to figure out how to do courtship. They they have it, it takes practice. It takes practice, and it takes a little bit of maturity cuz we talked a little bit about this shift i'm i noticed this shift with muslims with young muslims is them figuring themselves out even the courtship piece is kind of shifted because they were never really given the opportunity to experiment in in a halal mm-hmm. way like you know mm-hmm. um, not completely separating the genders so that they can interact with one another right mm-hmm. Giving them projects to work on together so that they learn how to have that, you know, gender interaction is really important.
0: You know, I've always had a theory and I was talking with a brother of mine a couple of years ago, I want to say like four years we were talking about this theory. And mm-hmm. as to why we see some sisters have an inclination to other groups in particular, like the LGBTQ community, right? Because they mm-hmm. stand up for them, they're there. Whereas mm-hmm. because of the mm-hmm. awkward dynamics and relationships that's between Muslim brothers and sisters, it's like yeah. sisters may feel neglected by brothers. So if it's an issue, they don't feel like, oh, let me go tell this group of Muslim boys over here, hey, this just happened to me. This guy just disrespected me or I, I don't feel safe. Can you walk me to my car? Like we don't have yeah. that, right? To where like yeah. a brother can see a sister. And even on the opposite side, I've been on the opposite side to where I've said salams to sisters and they've just looked at me and walked away, right? and it just, Oh, Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Both you ways. know, yeah. you know, you
0: you don't mean anything harmful or you, anything malicious. You just, hey, salam alaykum. It's, it's what we do as Muslims, right? And where we can create that sense, that dynamic. Because ideally, right, we want that environment to where it's like, sister, wherever you are. Let's say I just met you for the first time. I see you. Salam alaykum, oh you must hey. I'm here. Hey, if you need anything, we're over here, me or me and these brothers, whatever. Salam alaykum, right? That's it. Just yeah. keep it as simple as that. Yeah. And then you have a sense of relief in terms of doing whatever you do, because you know you have some type of person there, going back to that point of what, having like a group thing, right? I, I think that's definitely something that, um, that that we need to definitely fix. I
1: know? think in general too, I mean, as Muslims live in this society and are going to be influenced by the culture of this society, Mm-hmm. No matter what we, you know, no matter what we do, you know, we hope to have a little bit of a different twist on things, but we're going to be influenced. And I think in the general mainstream society, there's, there seems to be like this animosity between men and women, like we're enemies or something yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, fem, you know, mm-hmm. are you, and, and I think this goes back to being a stranger is that why do you have to choose sides, right? We complement one another. We're not fighting, you know, men are not our enemy, women aren't our enemy, you know, we're not trying to, you know, compete necessarily with each other or fight against each other, you know. We work together as a team. And I think that's a concept that those are those conversations need to happen because I think there's a little bit of confusion in young people in terms of what our roles are as women or men, particularly in a Muslim society. And I think this is a dilemma that young people face often is they feel like all of these labels and groups that people have come up with, we don't really fit in any of them. Like you go into the college scene and it's like the lib i'm just using that word lightly but you know quote-unquote liberals right Mm -hmm. like yeah they're welcoming and you know it's diverse and we love muslims and all this stuff but there's a part of their value system that we just don't get along we just it doesn't doesn't fit with us and say something against
0: that value system and watch what happens (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. And they're like, nope, you're not, you're not with us. You're not a part of us. Right. Then you go to the conservative side, because, you know, I'm using the word, the term lately conservative side. And it's like, okay, maybe we, maybe we align with some of the value systems. But then when it comes to like racism and diversity and, you know, we don't get along, we, it just doesn't fit. And so I think young people come to this understanding is, I don't think I'm gonna fit in any of these groups. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, and really coming to terms with this idea that the prop, like what the Prophet I said I'm said, glad tidings to the stranger. You're gonna be a stranger until you die, and you just have to own it. You have to own being a stranger, and it's okay if everybody else in the in this college scene can be a weirdo and own their weirdness, then so can you. You know.
0: That's a, that's a great point. I was just going to ask that, you know, owning your weirdness, you know, and owning whatever <laughs> awkwardness kind of weird... that may be, right? <laughs> like, no, yeah. definitely. I think though, the people who are the freest in society are those who do accept that and own up to that, right? Like, I like mm-hmm. this thing, right? What is that? Oh, that's weird. You like that? What? You like this Muslim thing? Mm-hmm. But the thing about people that is always hilarious, right? Whenever you do like something like that and you own up to it and they see you're comfortable, it does one or two things. It makes them eat uncomfortable, or it makes people want to do that thing that you're doing Absolutely. every single time. Every Absolutely. single time, they're like, "Ah, oh, wait, you're Muslim. How can he be Muslim? And how is he? How is she wearing the hijab? And she like likes to cover and all that stuff. Because uh, they're like, I could never and do I think, that.
1: And I think that's the confidence." I I'd, I'd hope that young people we want them to reach that level of confidence in their identity as Muslims, right? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not this idea that life is never going to be difficult or you're never or you're not going to ever feel uncomfortable. You're always there's always going to be curveballs in life. There's always going to be something that you're going to be dealing with. But this is where the concept of, where you know, the Prophet ﷺ, he teaches us, and Islam's, the Islamic tradition teaches us that the, that the believer is always a winner. The believer is always victorious. Because if something bad comes their way, they're patient with it, and they're going to get rewarded for it, and they keep going. And if there's something great that comes in their way, they're grateful, and they're content, and they still keep going, right? And so for us to keep, Honing in on that and practicing that over and over and over again, it makes you strong and confident. And then people look at you and they're like, what do you, there's something that you have. There's this vibe that you have that I want, uh-huh. Uh-huh. right? I want that. I want that confidence. I want that Sakina, that peace. And, and sometimes people can't pinpoint it. They they can't figure out exactly what it is, but it, it feels amazing and people notice it.
0: No, people definitely notice it. Like you said, they feel it and they want it. But they, like you said, sometimes they just can't. Maybe it's something Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala does to like hide it so they don't like take it from us or they don't disrupt it. But sometimes they mm-hmm. can't pinpoint it, and sometimes those who they they're able to, they're like either they adopt some practices that you have or they just adopt everything altogether. Right? Like a lot of people have become Muslim because of the way um, people just conduct themselves. Right? And college yeah. is a great ground for that because what we're saying doesn't just apply to just Muslims that are you like Muslim youth. It applies to all across the board. Right. Cause if you look oh, yeah. at public schools, right. Like it's, people don't really know who they are. They get to college, they experiment and because they don't have like a Sharia, like they don't have some thick type of a working background. They go even deeper into the deep end. Right. Like these people go all the way. But the thing I will say, I do like, and I can admire like about some is there's sincerity in the sense of, when they go all the way, some will say, yeah, I went all the way, but this isn't it. Like, this wasn't the thing to do. Stay away from this. And they're honest about it. Right. Whereas I yeah, feel like yeah. we as Muslims will be honest or sometimes we won't be honest about it. Really. We're kind of mm-hmm. just like, mm-hmm. uh, we halfway, the uh, you know, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: one foot in, one foot out type of situation.
1: And I think also sometimes people assume or they think that, in order to be like a practicing Muslim, we have to let go of everything, everything mm-hmm. about a personality and be like, we all have to be robots and mm-hmm. be exactly the same when it comes to practicing Islam. But the Prophet ﷺ taught us otherwise. Like he says, <laughs> the best of you during the times, it, that same personality trait that made you amazing or made you like, you know, unique and distinct that same thing, you can use it in your Islam, right? It, from the outset, if you look at Umar ibn al-Khattab, you would never think, you would never, you would, it would never cross your mind, like, oh, a drunkard, right? Mm-hmm. Would, be, would become, but the Prophet saw something valuable in him. And he made dua that one of the Umars would become, would, would become a Muslim because he knew that this strength and this conviction, and, you know, we were talking about substance use a while back, you know, yeah. he, there was something that was bothering him there was something that was bothering him about those jahiliya times and he just he didn't like it he wasn't happy with with how things were were done and if i if we put an x on umar ibn al-khattab and said hey you know he's not worth our time right but 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 that's the thing he he the prophet sallallahu alaihi was able to see the good in people and base based everybody off of the personality abu bakr isn't like umar Mm-hmm. but they're both great companions mm-hmm. right they're both great they're both great companions right so it's 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 seeing the good in people or seeing the good in ourselves and the qualities that we have that are powerful and strong and distinct and using those qualities and talents and skills to to, to show Islam and to practice Islam and to be a part of that, right? Mm-hmm. And and like we mentioned earlier, sometimes we don't even know that when we're doing something is influential and powerful until someone points it out. Yeah. When I was in college, I used to ride this shuttle bus, you know, to take the metro. Mm-hmm. And I used to say my utkar, like, you know, my dhikr. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm whispering in, I'm moving my mouth and I get off the bus And this, this woman, you know, this young woman stops me and she says, I saw you moving your lips. I, what were you, you know, Mm -hmm. I noticed you were saying something, what were you doing? And I just have to say, you looked, you looked at peace. Mm -hmm. So I want to know what you were doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking, oh, you know, here, let me sit down and say my azkar so people can watch me and, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a Dawah thing and all that. stuff. it it didn't cross my mind, but people, people are watching, people see, people feel. And, and, and I think that's a very big part of this issue that we go back to this issue of personal relationships is we, in order for us to grow and heal and, and become strong as human beings, we need to be in each other's faces and spaces. Right. That woman needed to see me and feel me and see what the difference was from the zikr. and I didn't know, but I, I did something, you know,
0: And you know, it, 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 it was, I think it was uh, Imam Amin Muhammad who was mentioning, he said, you know, a lot of us, cause he's a, he's a convert. And he said, a lot of us, mm-hmm. when we convert to Islam, we get lazy. You know, (laughs) we become lazy. Mm -hmm. We used to be somebody who, in the Jahiliyyah, we knew how to get money all types of ways. We knew how to do this, plan business, Mm -hmm. exercise, Mm -hmm. everything. When we got to Dean, we become just lazy. We become, like, we don't know how to do anything. But he's like, exactly what you're saying, right? The best of you in Jahiliyyah, you can bring those same qualities to Islam. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's a valuable lesson to share to young people and older people, everybody in general, right? You should never write Mm -hmm. yourself off, right? Because think of mm-hmm. um, if Umar Khattab wrote himself off, right? How many people wouldn't have became Muslim or, or Islam wouldn't have spread to? Think of all the places that under his uh, yeah. uh, when was Khalifa that became Muslim, right? And just mm-hmm. think about it. The day he became Muslim was the day he said he was going to kill the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like think about after he became Muslim, if he was just like, oh my goodness, I said I was gonna kill the Prophet Sallallahu I can never do yeah. anything good. I just yeah. have to live in this under this rock. But he didn't, yeah. right? He he moved forward and did his best to help the spread the risala, right? Spread this message and help spread Islam, you know. I think that's something really yeah. powerful to share with people, you know.
1: And and his nickname, Al Faruq, you know, the one who divides between the truth and falsehood, right? Mm-hmm. That was there from the very beginning. That's why he was not content. He was like, what, what, you, what you all are doing is just wrong, and I feel it. It's wrong, because there, there was this drive in him. And and he took that drive when he became Muslim, and that's what made him al-Faruq, right? And so I, it, I think that's a, a very important practice that young people need to do, is look, be introspective, look inward. What are you good at? Mm-hmm. What do you what are you passionate about, about? What do you really want people to know or learn and, and go with it? You know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that also, to add to that, also, right? Sometimes we may feel this inferiority complex, like, oh, I went to a Muslim school and I'm here at this mm-hmm. with these non-Muslims. Let me not do that. But no, the same way Omar Khattab took that energy when he became Muslim, like, oh, why are we praying in secret? Why are we doing, like, why do we have this message? Are we not the ability, right? Like, taking that same thing. So those same principles that you may have in your community that you exercise and you do, you know you're great at organizing, leading, and doing stuff in your community. Take that with you to school and showcase that, right? Exactly to add to your point of Mm -hmm. those skills and who you are and what you bring. Don't hide that or don't put it to the side. Bring that out and showcase that, you know?
1: Yeah, Uh and I, and I don't want to belittle, because sometimes sometimes when we keep going in this direction, people mm-hmm. who are really dealing with deep mental health issues, or maybe they've had trauma in their life, sometimes it's hard to pick the pieces up. Sometimes, and I, and I can tell you from my experience on the job with, with my clients, is sometimes you reach a point where it's, it's a pretty deep low, right? Mm-hmm. And you need someone to help pull you out. Because, you know... Sometimes people play the card of, well, you got to pray more or just, 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 you know, motivate yourself, do your dhikr, or like, you know, just pull, pull yourself by the bootstraps. And, you know, Mm -hmm. if you, if you think about it and you do it, then you'll be fine. Right. Mm -hmm. But especially for people who have gone through trauma or they've gone through an experience in their life where they're in a really deep rut, Mm -hmm. it's okay to ask for help. It's totally okay to ask for help. Go seek therapy. Go, you know, seek the people that have the, the the expertise to help pull you up a little bit, you know, so that you can climb up that, you know, that hole. And I and I want to make sure that I mention that because sometimes people feel like, okay, well, I can't do that. I'm I'm too deep into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are resources and there are people that can help you with that and pull yourself out of that rut.
0: And let me add to that as well, right? We don't want people to feel like that because it can be overwhelming. I've been in that point myself personally. I think yeah. the one thing I would advise people is if you are at that point to... The, the biggest thing that I love about Islam and I love about like the what it, the perspective that it gives you on life is at all you're supposed to do is make the effort. Even if it's 1%, you make the effort. That's it. If it's nothing yeah. else, if you know this is the biggest problem you have in your life... I would say put everything else to the side as best as you can, and you focus at least want your one percent to try to fix this issue consistently every day. Even if you fail, you you try. Even if it's one percent, you consistently try, right? Because if you try, you make t- uh, you pray to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will definitely grant you tawfiq in your situation, right? Some type of mm-hmm. opening or something that can happen, right? As mm-hmm. long as you just try, right? Of course, like I know it's tough. But you do have to make the effort, right? Because only you mm-hmm. can make the effort at that point in terms of your own personal circumstances sometimes, right? You have to take some initiative, you know?
1: Yeah, and and we have examples. Like the story of Maryam, alayhi uh, salam, you know, like we when we think of her, she, when you read in the Quran how she felt, she felt like she wanted to die. That's suicidal ideation, right? Like shes it's so shameful. The situation is so shameful for her, right? And she's in so much pain when she's giving birth to Isa alayhi salam. But what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell her to do? He told her to shake the palm tree, right? Like you don't fall in your despair. You take that one step, even if it's a small one. And when you think about a palm tree, it's not like you can actually shake it.
0: No, exactly. <laughs> it's,
1: it's it's hard. You can't. You can't. But it's the concept. It's the mm-hmm. concept that you you have to do something. You have to do something. Take that one step. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I am as my servant thinks I am. If you come to me walking, I come to you running. You just take that one step, right? And and even when I'm dealing with my clients, I said, I always tell them baby steps. Mm-hmm. Baby steps. You can't get out of bed. You know, see if you can just put your slippers on. No. You can't, you know, move from the back. Just brush your teeth. Just, no. you know, just ev- just do the little tiny things. And when you add those little tiny things, it-, it adds up until you can do the thing that you need to do.
0: Yeah, definitely. Doing those little things consistently, like you're saying, just consistently. Because, you know, I, what I've realized, and it, you know this better than me because you're a therapist, right, is the mind works on these habits, right? But if you haven't created mm-hmm. this habit, you know, you'll procrastinate. But that's kind of like your brain telling you, you know, I'm not really <laughs> ready to do this or I don't really want to do yeah. this. Right. But like you yeah. said, if you consistently are able to do this thing, when it's time to do the next thing, it, it'll be a little easier because you've already created that motion, that that that, that circuitry has been made inside of your mind to move forward. Um, and I think that's something just doing things little, you know, if before we wrap things up please can you talk about the importance of doing things as doable as possible like minute actions and the impact that they have
1: yeah so i think it's really important that each of us especially young people going to college or in college create a personal development plan for themselves you know and you need to write things down you need to record them you know because then they get lost in your mind And there's a, there's a, there's a magical power. I'm using the word magical, but it's tawfiq. Like you said, when you Mm -hmm. write things down, you're committing your brain to doing it. Your brain says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try my best to fulfill this thing because you put it down on paper. Mm -hmm. And you're not just putting it down on paper. You're asking while you're writing it down, you're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help you reach that goal Mm -hmm. and track it. Track it. You know, there's, there's all these apps, habit tracker, daily bean, you know, all these apps that you could do. Maybe you could get a buddy or, or a group, you know, like we have Usra and mass, for example, you know, someone that can be your personal accountability that can be, Hey, did you pray Fajr today? You know, did you pray Fajr on time? Did you, did you work out? You said you were going to work out every day and take care of your body. Did you take care of your body? Allah subhanahu ta'ala gave you your body as an amanah. You know, it's it's your responsibility to really take care of your body. Are you doing that, you know? And so people who can hold you accountable, but for you to also write it down and check in and keep track of those things so you see what your progress is.
0: And then adding to that, can you talk briefly about uh, mm-hmm. what it looks like to find a mentor and how to select one and include that into part of the plan?
1: Well, yeah. I think that's one of the biggest challenges. Cause I almost every conversation that we've had, it goes back to mentorship. And I really think that's probably one of the biggest challenges we have as a as a community, as a ummah, at least here in the United States, it's a it's a huge thing. And I think the issue is we've forgotten how to have intergenerational relationship relationships, especially in the masjid scene. It's it's almost like the young people are like you know, those are the old school people. We don't need to hear it from them. You know, they, they don't know what it's like to live our life nowadays. Right. Mm-hmm. And the older people are like, you know, these young people, they don't, they don't know what it's like to live hard, you know, you know, what, you know, and everybody has their own kind of, uh, ideas about how they should be living life. And then they're not listening to each other. Right. Mm-hmm. I think to take a step back, our community spaces need to create opportunities where we're actually talking to each other and connecting with each other. I saw this one church, it was in an article, um, one church once a week, they have a dinner and you can't sit at a table where there there's people your age. Every table has mm-hmm. to have one of each and
0: mm-hmm. they have to
1: eat together and they have to have a conversation together. Right. Wow. And we've, we've, we've initially, I mean, Normally we have, we're supposed to have communal spaces where we're, we're drinking tea together or hanging out together, the community barbecue where people are just talking to each other. I think that's the first like pre preventative step is create the spaces where we can find the, find the mentorship. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of mentorship, looking for the people who are active listeners, who are, who know how to hold space who can hold you accountable. Because sometimes people, they're like, okay, I want someone who's going to give me, you know, love and affection and, and that's it, period. No, a good friend and a good mentor is two parts. They give you the love and the affirmations, but they also hold you accountable and they make sure that you're getting better and you're improving yourself. So, you know, in those spaces finding the people that have that islamic fam- framework hopefully that can really connect with you and hold you accountable and give you those that love
0: what I like to say Barakullah Sis du'a it's thank like, you oh, very much this was a wonderful talk to speak on and just to you know summarize you know it seems to be that anxiety and loneliness and self-discovery are all themes that uh, should be addressed before. Well, self-discovery mainly should be addressed before really getting on that uh, path in college, you know, and while in college, really taking a healthy and proper way of doing that, You know, we live in a society now where um, it's almost you do it exactly whatever you want to do, right? But Mm -hmm. I think what is best is Realizing that as a Muslim, we have bounds, but it's not bounds because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to be mean or he wants to punish you, but it's, it's to protect you, right? Protect you from this dunya, right? Because this dunya isn't jannah, right? We're not in the firdaus to where there's no repercussions for things that we do, right? There, there are repercussions and there are people who don't want to see us do good or see you do good, right? We have the shaitan and those who are akin with him that are trying to derail us from the ultimate goal and task. So definitely keeping that in mind and being in that bounds of uh, experimenting and seeing, right? Because there is a way to develop as a Muslim, right? That you can develop in a way that's very healthy. It's productive. It's powerful, right? It's transformative. And then it's something that you can use and take to the next generation to help them as well or help the older generation as well, right? Because, you know, we have to be good to our older people as well. Um, Anxiety seems to be something that really plagues us.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh,
0: no, go ahead. You want to add something? No, go ahead.
1: I think that's the that's the maturity that we we're, we want mm-hmm. people to to achieve is this idea that dunya is never going to be perfect and amazing, mm-hmm. right? You live. We're supposed to live in this life as a traveler, mm-hmm. and so no matter what you do, there's always going to be there's always going to be bumps, and like you said, there's always going to be bumps, and and you're going to have to you know that there's a plan, there's an ultimate plan, and then you realize, all right, I I better be working for my akhirah. Because yes. this, it's not worth it. It's not. It's not worth worth it. Because it's, it's not gonna. All those bumps are not gonna end.
0: And you know, the, the the biggest bumps that seem to hit us seem to be the anxiety and the loneliness, or the uh, bad influences, and in these many things that come in different shapes and forms. But definitely anchoring yourself to a, a plan and having a schedule and having good healthy habits, and definitely having salah be the, you know the tying anchor to all of it. Right, can help you navigate such a turbulent time that derails a lot of people. You know, a lot of people lives definitely change after college here in the United States, you know, for better or for worse. And it's just something that we have to learn how to navigate as Muslims inside of the United States. So I'd like to thank Sis Dua um, for coming on is uh, definitely appreciated. Uh, Revive Pack is coming out, talking about college. Um, the next episode, we're going to be uh, discussing the college as well. Um, more panel style I'm going to have some more people on talk about their personal experiences um sis Du'a, thank you once again is there anything you want to shout out before we uh end the episode
1: thank you for the opportunity it's
0: been an honor thank you for the deep talk she said she wanted a deep talk i hope it was deep enough i hope it was real enough <laughs> i like those talks as well mashallah I'm all right guys I'm thank you for listening to remastered please share the episode with your friends Please check out Muslim American Society today. Wonderful organization doing great things. I'll see you all later, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.